live here in the St. Louis County area, and so they treat the roads pretty good. But if you get over in the Jefferson County area, uh, sometimes the roads don't get treated over there quite as quickly as, as here, and so sometimes those roads can be tough. So we commend you for coming today, but uh, thanks for being here. Hey, who's the volunteer of the week? Does anybody know? Who is Janie? How many of you commented on her this week? I commented, and uh, so we're, we're thankful for Janie. And I think the week before that it was John Knott, wasn't it? Was it John? And who was the week before that? It was Donna was in there somewhere. And who was the week before that? Gary Turney was in there, and so, and so yeah. So we're. We're, that was Diane's idea, Volunteer of the Week. So we commend you and all of you volunteers. We'll get you in there as we go through the year. And uh, hey, if you haven't got your picture to us, get your picture to us because we want to put your picture on the Facebook. Just uh, email it to us or tech, however you send it. We'd love to have that. Um, so we can put your pretty face up there, handsome face on the Facebook. Also, there's an, a... a, a, a thing you need to adjust. The prayer is not this Wednesday night, it's this Tuesday night. Tuesday, that was just a mistake up there. So this Tuesday from 7 until 8. The reason we switch from Wednesday to Tuesday is because we have youth on Tuesday. That's when Joyce is available. So we have Tuesday youth and then we'll we have all our encounter meetings and prayer. That'll be on Tuesday. So make that adjustment Tuesday from 7 to 8. All right, let's get into the Bible here. Go to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, if you would. Does anybody know what's the big event on television the last day or two? The Olympics. The Olympics. Have you watched any of that? I watched a little of it last night of the, uh, the ladies doing ice skating and then the, uh, the pairs and then they were... Uh, Doing the snowboarding or whatever that's called—that looks dangerous. You lose, you lose your life at that if you don't know what you're doing. So, uh, but you know, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul compares the Christian's life to competing in the Olympic Games. The ancient Olympics were being held during the time of the writing of the New Testament. And uh, Paul alluded to the Olympics as he would write, particularly as he wrote to the Corinthians. And we'll talk about that here this morning. Um, The ancient games were held in Olympia, Greece from the 8th century B.C. to the 4th century A.D. And one of the Roman emperors stopped the games in the 4th century. And the modern games were reinstituted in the late 19th century, and the Winter Games began in 1924. That's when they started having the Winter Games. They didn't have the Winter Games back when the Apostle Paul was, you know, others were writing the New Testament at the direction of the Holy Spirit, but the Winter Games began in 1924. And so in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, in the 24th verse, we'll read in the NIV, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it, He says, uh, Paul writes this, and he says, Do you not know, and he's writing to the church, he's really writing to you and me, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And you know that's true. If you ever hear what those athletes go through to get their bodies in shape for for the uh, Olympics, it's quite interesting all the stuff that they do to get ready. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. And then in verse 27, I want to read verse 27 in the New Living Translation. 
he says, I discipline my body like a what? Like a who? Like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. One version says, I keep under my body or I keep my body under control. But I like the way the New Living says it. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. And so, there, you know, to, to be successful as a Christian, there takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline. Well, Paul states that in a race, only... Now, how many get surprised? One. Now, of course, in the Olympics, there are how many medals? What is it? Gold, silver, and bronze, isn't it? But back then, in the ancient games... Only one was given a prize, and it was a crown-shaped wreath that they would put on the, on the heads of the person that won the race. Now listen to this. Every believer in Jesus Christ is running a race here on the earth for the Lord. Believing on Jesus and receiving Him as your Savior gets you into the Christian Olympics. Or we could say it this way, believing on the Lord Jesus gets you into heaven. Is that right? But you need to realize this. You may or may not be rewarded one day by the Lord for the race you've run. Now you need to realize that. You need to realize that. Believing on Jesus and trusting in Him gets you in the Christian Olympics. It, it gets you into heaven. heaven. That's a free gift. But just because you're a Christian does not mean that you're going to receive a crown of reward in heaven one day. The Bible talks about it, and I could teach a whole message on it, but I'll just give you just a real quick little synopsis of it. But every believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when, when we stand before Him, now it's not a heaven-hell judgment. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you're going to miss hell, you're going to make heaven. And you get in the Christian Olympics, but one day we're all going to stand before what's known as the judgment seat of Christ. And He's going to judge each one of us based on the works we've done down here on the earth, whether the Bible says whether good or bad. And the Bible says those who have done good works for him will receive a reward. And it's gold, silver, or precious stones. And actually crowns. It's, crowns is what the Bible teaches. There's five different crowns that you can, can get. We'll talk about those here at the end of the message briefly. But then the Bible also talks about wood, hay, and straw. And so when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says the fire of God, not the fires of hell, the fires of God is going to judge each of us. It's going to judge our works to see of what sort they are. And those who have done good works here, gold, silver, precious stones, Crowns of reward will receive. That'll be better than the gold medal or the silver medal or the bronze medal. Is that right? Because those medals that you get here on the earth will fade away. But what you get from the Lord will be eternal. But then other Christians, the Bible says, will stand before Him and that fire of God will hit their works. And if you have works that are, are wood, hay, and straw, what does fire do to wood, hay, and straw? Just devour it. And the Bible says those Christians will... Now listen to this. You can read this over in 1 Corinthians. I think it's the third chapter. Those Christians will suffer loss. But they themselves will be saved. Why are they saved? Because it's the blood of Jesus that saves us. But there's a lot of Christians that are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the fire of God will hit them and burn everything up. They'll have no reward. They'll get to go into heaven. How many of you know that's a good deal right there? Just getting to go into heaven. 
But there's a lot of Christians going to go into heaven, and that's a good deal. It beats going to hell. But you're going to go into heaven, and there'll be no reward. None. Zero. Zip. You understand that? Yet there'll be other Christians who have done good works here upon the earth. Now remember, your good works don't get you into heaven. That's a free gift. Grace of God. Receiving Jesus. But you stand before the judgment seat and you've had good works down here and you've done good things and served the Lord with a good and right heart, help people. Then he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll receive great reward, eternal reward. Now let me read from my notes. Just like at the Olympic opening ceremony, now listen to this. Just like at the Olympic opening ceremony, did any of you watch that the other night? Listen to this. All those athletes are in the games. Would you agree with me? All those people walking there, I mean, they're, they're in the games. They've got, they're in the games. How many of you know that's an honor just to get in those games? That's like receiving Jesus. We're going to heaven. We're in, we're in the Christian Olympics. All those athletes are in the games. But listen to this. But only a few of those athletes are going to receive medals. Is that correct? I looked this up. There's about 3,000 athletes competing this year in the 2018 Winter Olympics. About 3,000. Just, just a little under 3,000. So I just rounded it. There's about 3,000 athletes competing in the Olympics. And there's going to be 260 medals awarded. And since some of the athletes, I, I, I think, will win multiple events and get multiple medals, I did the math on it used to be a math teacher, so this should be pretty accurate. Listen to this. Less than 8% of the athletes competing will get a medal. Now think about that. There's 3,000 athletes. Less than 300 of them are going to get rewarded. So just because you're in the Olympics doesn't mean you're going to get a medal, does it? Now, now, getting in the Olympics is a, is, is a great honor, isn't it? But, just, but isn't it a greater honor if you can get in the Olympics and win a medal? Isn't it? And isn't it even a greater honor if you could win a gold medal? I mean, a bronze medal would even be good. The point I'm trying to make here is not all those athletes, just a small percentage of them are going get, to get a medal. And let's liken that to Christianity. We receive Jesus. We're in the Olympics. We're in the, we're in the games. We're, we're going to heaven. But I'd like to get a reward. How about you? Wouldn't you? And look at verse 24 here again. 1 Corinthians 9.24 in the NIV. He said, Run in such a way... As to get the prize. So there's ways that we could run where you won't get a prize. He said, run in such a way so as you get the prize. Now the Apostle Paul is a good example for us to look at. And what I want to do with the time that I have left here this morning is I want to look at what he did. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul did because he was able to write at the end of his life, he wrote by the Spirit of God, he said, a crown is laid up for me, reserved for me. So he ran his race here for the Lord in such a way that he was, he got, he was going to get a prize. I, let's look at him. Do you think he'd be a good example to look at? Let's look at him, look at a few things he did that will help us. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9.25, we'll read this in the NIV again, 1 Corinthians 9.25, everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Into what? Now, let's get that up there. This is 1 Corinthians 9.25 in the NIV. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? So that tells you right there, if you want to receive a reward from the Lord. Now, our, now we're not talking about going to heaven or hell here. We receive Jesus. Where are we going? Okay, we're going to heaven. We're in the games. We're going to heaven. But we want to receive a what? A reward. How many of you know 
All you have to do is repent of your sins and receive Jesus as your Savior and you can sit on your blessed assurance and not do anything the rest of your life and go to heaven. Is that right? We don't have to do nothing. We can just sit there and eat potato chips and go to heaven. Is that right? Yes or no? But if you want to receive a reward, you're going to have to go into what kind of training? Strict training. Now, my flesh doesn't like that. Does yours? I remember five years ago, what, right now, this morning, I weighed 170 pounds. Five years ago, I weighed about 230 pounds. And bad reports from the doctor as far as cholesterol was horrible and going to put me on medicine. And I said, give me, give me some time and let me, let me do something about this. Plus, the Spirit of God, had begin, He told me from the time I was 30 years old... Until 50, he spoke right down on the inside and warned me. He said, you get in your mid-50s, if you don't do something about this weight, you get in your mid-50s, you're going to have some serious health, serious health problems. And I went for 20 years and didn't do anything about it. I might go on a diet for a day. How many of you know a diet for a day is not going to do any good? Right after I'd eat a big meal, I'd go on a diet. I turned 50, the Spirit of God said to me, tears, tears in his eyes, warned me. And then he said this to me, tears in his eyes, in his, as he spoke on the inside. We can all hear from, from the Lord. Tears in his eyes, he says, now I've warned you, 20 years. I'll not say another word to you about it. Didn't say it mean, didn't say it, just, you know, just broken. Well, that got my attention. And so I did something about it, and I started exercising and started eating right. And now I went from 230, horrible cholesterol numbers. By the way, you watch those commercials on television. They tell you you can eat whatever you want. They're lying to you. Or you take a magic pill. It might fix one thing, but cause terminal cancer on the other side. Is that right? There's only one way you're going to lose weight. You're going to have to say this, say eat right, and say exercise. You're going to have to do that. And I did it. Long story short, I got my weight under control, and my cholesterol numbers, all that's just perfect. It's better than perfect. But I had to go into, say this, say strict training. Strict training. I had to do it. And this word for strict training, if you look it up in the original language of the Greek, it means the King James uses the word temperate. But the emphasis here is on one's diet. How many of you know those uh, Olympic athletes? They can't just eat whatever they want. Can they? They've got to watch their diet, don't they? And this word temperate here, it, as you study into it, it means you have to keep yourself under control in your diet. And it also makes implication to sexual conduct. How many of you know marriage is for a, how many of you know marriage is honorable in all? And the bed is undefiled, the Bible says, but adulterers, whoremongers, homosexuals, We'll be judged. We're going to have to keep our bodies under control in what we eat and sexually. And then there's something else. Go to James 3. And verse 2. And I'll read this in the NIV. James 3, verse 2 in the NIV, we all stumble in many ways. Has anybody ever stumbled besides me? If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect, or a mature, is what that word really means, mature man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, if you want to keep your body under control, where should you start? With your mouth. 
Now, did you hear I just talked about adultery? I talked about whoremongers, homosexuals. I talked about, didn't I talk? How many of you know God loves all those people? He just hates the sin. Is that right? But how come is it that when we talk about homosexuals or fornication or adultery, how come we don't ever talk about gossips? If you read the Bible, do you know God puts gossips right there with homosexuals and whoremongers? Did you know that? Backbiters, liars. You need to group the liars with the homosexuals. Come on. Come on now. Gossipers. People get on their texter, texting now or emails or phone. used to be telephone and shooting gossip all over the place. I want you to know God ranks those people right there with the homosexuals. Is that right? You don't believe me. First Corinthians, Bonnie, throw it up. First Corinthians 6, 9. Let's put it up there in the New King James Version. We'll just get off my notes here a little bit. Because a lot of times we bounce on these sexual sins as well we should. But how many of you know there's other things besides sexual sins? Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. Let's move on. Next verse. Nor thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you could read other verses... And see, Diane and I was just talking about this last night. Would we let somebody that's a practicing homosexual greet at the door? No. But would we let somebody stand at the door and greet at the door that was a gossip? Not if I know about it. This is real serious in here today, isn't it? Yes, are you Okay. I just don't want us always to jump on these sexual sins and forget some of these other things. How many of you know the Bible says gluttony is a sin? Hmm? Yes or no? Go in and gouge in yourself. I've already watched preachers weighing 300 pounds, slamming slamming on the pulpit, yelling at their congregations for sexual sins, and they weigh 300 pounds. They're, you know, 150 pounds overweight. Hello? Are you out there? Or have you gone home? So, if you want to get yourself in position to receive reward from the Lord, you know where I'd tell you to start? Not with push-ups or sit-ups. I'd tell you to start with your, with your tongue, with your mouth. You get that mouth under control, I tell you what, you'd be surprised how quick the rest of your body will get under control. You okay? Did you ever notice, I was just thinking, I don't have this in my notes, but I was just standing there before the service. And uh, by the way, you've got great reward coming. You have led worship back into the Catholic Church when you first got saved. And the Lord was talking to me about that. All the way, and you've looked at every kind of congregation you can imagine, and you've had to plow your way through a lot of doubt and unbelief, and then you've had a lot of good, wonderful people that you've got to lead in worship, and and uh, but you've always kept your heart right. I very seldom speak to my wife like this, but you've kept your heart right. Your reward will be great. It will be great. And that's the Spirit of God wanted me to tell you that publicly. You keep your mouth under control. But I was standing here and the Spirit of God began dealing with me. The Apostle Paul said, I speak with tongues more than you all. And the Bible says speaking with tongues is a way of building up our spirits. So what I'd tell anybody to do, if you want to run this Christian race, get your tongue under control, first and foremost. Line your tongue up with the Word of God. Now, now how many of you know we ought to have sense enough not to cuss? Is that right? Or lie? But you know what? We need to stop 
speaking sickness and disease. We need to stop speaking lack. We need to stop speaking doubt and unbelief. Is that right? And just speak in line with the Word of God. The Bible says, "Let the, I'm just so weak, Pastor. What does the Bible say? Call things that be not as though they are. Let the weak say, I'm what? Okay? So start with your mouth. Start with your mouth. And line your mouth up. Refuse to gossip. Refuse to talk bad about people. Refuse to, to, to say anything out of line with the Word of God. I tell you what, that can be harder to do than than a hundred chin ups. Do you know that? Because your tongue just, your flesh just wants to join into that gossip or whatever. It just, but you got to keep yourself under control, and you can train your body. And I've done it, and you can get yourself to the point where you start hearing gossip. You can want to turn away from it. You can train your body. Now look here at verse uh, 1 Corinthians 9.26 again. 1 Corinthians 9.26 in the NIV. He says, I didn't... So what does he do first? He disciplines his body. We keep, your, keep your mouth in check. Pray in tongues. I pray in tongues a lot. Build yourself up. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit, you see. Build yourself up spiritually. And then 1 Corinthians 9.26, he says, I do not run like a man running what? Aimlessly. Real loud, say aimlessly. And then he says, I do not fight like a man beating the air. What is he saying here? He's saying that he has goals. You need to have some goals. He doesn't go out and just, just run aimlessly. He had a goal. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in my life when I, you know what ruined my golf game? You know, I was a pretty good golfer as a kid. Could have even potentially looked at professional golf. It's aggravating now when I go out. I can't play like I used to. But what ruined my game is I went out in a field with a bunch of golf balls and I just started hitting golf balls. And listen to this: I did not have a target. I just shot the balls out in the field. Whenever you hit golf balls, you all you always every time you hit a golf ball, you always want to have an intended target. You just go out in the field and just start hitting the balls, you're going to you're going to groove a swing that How many of you know you get up on the golf course and you want to hit the ball, you know, 150 yards down on that green? You've got a target. You've got that flag sticks, you know, you've got a target. But if you're used to hitting balls in a field and just hit them anywhere, how many of you know that's not going to do you any good when you've got to hit it onto a little green where there's sand traps all around and water all around? You know what I'm talking about? What am I saying? We need to have some goals. Let me ask you a question. This is real practical here today. What has God directed you to do? If you don't know, you need to find out. Spend some time with Him. And He'll tell you. In what area has He instructed you to serve? Did you know God has a local church for everybody and He has something for you to do in that local church? Did you know that? What abilities has He graced you with? Do you have some short-term goals, some mid-term goals, some long-term goals? Did you know that a person that is going nowhere is bound to get there? Did you know that it, you can't steer a parked car, can you? So what, what are we saying? Strict training, where does it start? With your... Mouth. Keep your mouth under control to start. And then have some goals. Have some goals. Now look at Philippians 3, verse 12 in the New King James Version. Paul says this. What else did he do to run in such a way as to get a prize? He said, not that I have already attained. He said, I ha- in other words, I haven't arrived. 
Or am I already perfected? He, he's saying, I haven't arrived yet. How many of us have arrived? I haven't arrived yet. I'm still working on myself. God's still working on me. He says this, but I press on. We'll look at that more here in a moment. I press on. You ought to underline that. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He says, I haven't got there yet. I haven't crossed the finish line yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the what? Toward the goal. For the what? The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, notice, he says, forgetting those things which are behind, we're going to have to forget and let go of the past. I've said this for years, and you ought to write it down. Learn from your past, just don't live in your past. How many of you know we can learn from our failures? Right? Don't repeat those Failures, learn from your past, learn from your successes, but don't live in your past. I was watching that guy last night as I was exercising, doing my uh, bow flex, lifting my weights, and he was on that ski board going down those, you know, that, what do they call, it wasn't skiing, but it was Snowboarding, man, they get up there high. And I was thinking, you know, are those skaters? I was thinking, how good would they do do if they were doing it all, looking in a rearview mirror, looking over their shoulder, looking backward? That's hard enough to do looking forward, isn't it? How far are you going to get if you drive home today looking the whole way in your rearview mirror? We need to learn from our past. Now think about when you're driving a car. Every once in a while you look up in that, and you should. You should look up in that rearview mirror, shouldn't you? So we should, we should look at our past and learn from it. But what if you did the whole time driving home looking in that rearview mirror? How far are you going to get? Not very far, are you? Or you crash into something. That's a good analogy, isn't it? It's a good. I mean, look, glance up at that rearview mirror. You need to. You need to learn from your past. You need to look back there and learn learn from it. Don't make the same mistakes again and again. But don't look in the rearview mirror the whole time, or you're going to crash into something. And he said, "I press." Real loud, say, "I press." Press. Toward the goal, he had goals. He said, I press toward the goal. And that word press implies not just sitting around doing nothing. It it, it implies that he's going to keep on keeping on. He's going to keep at it. He's going to keep pressing. Do you you get what he's saying there? That's one reason why one person is successful and another person isn't. Because the one person is pressing... Moving forward, and the other person is just standing around waiting for something to happen. I've learned this. If you just stand around and wait for something to happen, probably nothing's going to happen. Did you hear me? Remember when we were up in the school? Those are, there's a few people who were here at that time before we built this building 20 years ago. We were up in the school, and it was on our heart to build this building, but... You know, if we just would have sat there and just waited for God to come build this building, we'd still be up at the school waiting for God to come build the building. Is that right? We had to do some stuff, didn't we? And I got into that project and and building this. There was some pressing we had to do. I had to press some things through. But God helped us, see. And we paid it off in seven years. Isn't that wonderful? See, He did His part, but we had to do what? Our part. Are you okay? Um, 
Go to Acts, the 20th chapter. And the 22nd verse. Are you getting anything out of this today? I'm teaching you how to win a prize from God that will last forever. What else did Paul do? Let's go to Acts, the 20. And 22, what else did he do to run in such a way to successfully finish the race? He says this, he says, And see, I know, I now go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. What does that mean? It means that that's on his heart to do. Go to Jerusalem. The Spirit's directed him to go. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. You ought to underline that. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. It was a race of faith. As you walk this race for the Lord down here on this earth, it's a race of faith. What does that mean? God doesn't tell you what's going to happen every step of the way. When we were up there in the school some 20 years ago, the Lord directed us to build this building here and whatnot. And I didn't know everything that was going to happen all along the way. He just gave me a general, you know, general direction. And I didn't know all the things that was going to happen to us. It was a race of faith. We don't have to know all the details. That's one reason so many people don't ever succeed with God is because they want God to tell them everything's going to happen before they ever get started. And He doesn't work that way. God will give you one step at a time. And if you don't take that first step, he's not going to tell you about the what? And then verse 23. He says, he said, I don't know the things that will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, would that discourage most people? How many of you, if you heard that, God gave you an assignment and said that, that, okay, I want you to go do such and such, but chains and afflictions will await you. How many people, how many Christians do you think would want to quit right there? About 99% of them that I've met, and I'd include myself in the list, there at times. <laughs> Paul, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. Paul was not a quitter. You know, the easiest thing to do is quit. I've seen so many quitters. Do you know, I've seen a lot of people that, have, that haven't even started. You know what I mean by that? How many know you've got to start in a race? You've got to get up, you've got to start. I've seen a lot of people haven't even started. But I've seen a lot of people, now listen to me, I've seen a lot of people start well. But they didn't end well. The Bible is full of people that did not end well. How many of you know we need to end well? Paul was not a quitter. Did you know Paul had many opportunities to quit? How many of you know when he cast that demon out of that slave girl and he wound up in prison? Wouldn't that have been a good time to quit right there? How about the time he was in Lystra and he, he, he uh, was preaching the gospel and good things were happening and they drug him out of the city and they beat him and basically killed him, left him for dead. Would that be a good time to quit? How many of you know he didn't quit? Did you know quitters are a dime a dozen? you know what I mean by that? Quitters are everywhere. It's not the quitters that are going to get the prize. It's the people that finish well. People that refuse to quit. Particularly, and, 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 and particularly people that refuse to quit in the midst of a struggle. How many of you know the devil is down here? And he's fighting us tooth and nail. Plus we have our flesh to deal with. I've decided I'm not going to quit. I've watched quit Christians all over, all for years quit over the littlest things. Now, I wouldn't blame somebody for not going out on a day like this. 
But I remember, I'm thinking of one fellow now, he got tickets to the Super Bowl many years ago. He no longer attends here. Long time ago. And he drove up to somewhere in the northeast through ice storms. There were ice storms. There was like a continuous ice storm from St. Louis all the way to the northeast. Ice storm. But you know what? He made it to the Super Bowl. But that same man, if you'd have a light dusting of snow around here, now he's a Christian. He'd call in and say, I can't make it. The roads are treacherous. Thinking of another guy, he took his horse trailers up into Colorado, Rocky Mountains, on, on, on snowstorm, blizzards. But yet you'd get a light dusting of snow and he'd call in couldn't make it. Those people aren't going to get any rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, dear friends. They'll miss hell, make heaven, that's reward enough, but... I don't know, I want to get some rewards. How about you? I've watched Christians over the years. They just, they just quit at the littlest old thing. Just the littlest old thing. Just a, almost the wind changes directions. And I can't, I can't do what, what God told me to do. I just, the wind changed direction. I don't want to be that kind of Christian, do you? Those kind of Christians don't get rewards. They, they'll get into heaven. Because that's a free gift. Do you know anybody can go to heaven, but not anybody can get rewards? Is that right? While I'm on it, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. I did put this in my notes here. Do you know one of the biggest things that causes people to quit in in, in, in doing what God wants them to do is offense? Do you know Jesus? How many of you have ever heard him uh, heard me teach on the parable of the sower? When over in Mark four he teaches on the parable of the sower, and one of the groups of people that he talks about over there are people that hear the word and they're excited. They're fast starters. I mean, they just they just you know the blocks they come out of the, the starting blocks just boom, and they get on running down the road for Jesus, serving him, all excited, but. Something happens, somebody says something, the preacher says something from the Word that steps on their toes, something happens, and they, they get offended. The Bible says it's easier to win a walled city back than a brother who has been offended. That word offense over in the parable of the sower, if you look it up in the original Greek... It means you hit something and it causes you to stumble and fall. Now, I've watched so many Christians over the years, they get offended. And that offense causes them to stumble, fall, and then quit. Did you know that mass numbers of people walked away from Jesus? He basically lost. You know, Jesus at times had mass multitudes. A people. But he preached a message one day, and those same mass multitudes walked away from him, and he had only 12 people standing there, the 12 apostles. And he turns to him and he says, And do you want to go away too? And he said, Besides that, one of you is a devil. Who was he talking about? Judas Iscariot. Did you know Jesus didn't go running after a single one of them? Offense caused people to quit their walk. It's very hard to offend me. I think that's one reason the Lord had me teach junior high for all those years. It was getting me ready for the ministry. Because if you pastor a church or you're in a ministry at all, you pastor in ministerial work at all, you're going to... You're going to get, you're going to, you're going to have. <laughs> and what I've also learned too is that if a man of God is really doing his job up here in the pulpit, he's going to say things from the Word of God that will offend you at times. And it's up to you to not become. Now, I'm not talking about a preacher being a jerk. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about a man of God really preaching under the anointing. You've got to make a decision. Am I going to. Am I going to listen to that? Am I going to let that correct me? Am I going to let that bring me up higher? Or am I going to get mad and take my sand bucket and leave and not come back anymore? 
seen a lot of people with sand buckets over the years. I've seen a lot of people that have let the words hit them. They didn't like it, but they... Okay, I'll make that correction and I've watched people move up higher. Isn't that wonderful? Notice in verse 24 here, I'm almost done. Just give me a few more moments here. Acts 20, 24. Paul says, but how many of these things move me? If you want to get a reward one day, you're going to have none of it. You're going to have to get here. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. You can see why he's getting a reward. Nothing's going to move me. Nothing's going to move me. So that I may what? Finish my race with joy. Now, none of these things move me. I could say it this way. None of these things distract me. How many of you know we live at... Dale, turn up the heat, would you? How many of you know that uh, we live in a world of distraction, don't we? Especially here in the United States, how many of you know there's a million and one things to distract you, isn't it? Watching and driving the other day in a car just swerving slow all over the place. And I, I finally, as a, I drove up beside the person and guess where they were? Now if I see you driving in around on your phone, I'm going to pull you over and pull off my belt and spank you. You know why? Because I love you and I don't want you to get hurt and I don't want you to hurt anybody else. They say that driving on, texting and all that while you're driving is as bad as being drunk or worse when you're driving. It's worse. He said, none of these things move me, or we could say, none of these things distract me, nor do I count my life dear. In other words, he's saying I'm not selfish. If you want to finish this Christian race successfully, you're going to have to be unselfish. You're going to have to think of others and love others like you love yourself. And you're going to have to keep some joy about you. And the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. Go to Hebrews 12. Go there quickly. You're learning some stuff today, aren't you? Paul more than likely wrote the book of Hebrews. He said, Hebrews 12, verse 1, New King James, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's talking about people who have already died and gone to heaven. We could say they're in the grandstands of heaven, watching us. And by the way, people in heaven aren't concerned whether or not you buy a new car or get a new suit or get a new pair of shoes. They're concerned about spiritual things up there. They're watching our spiritual progress. He says, let us lay aside every what? Weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. See, we understand we need to lay aside sins. That's, that's easy. We understand that. But do you know, I would venture to say in each one of our lives, there may be some sins we need to deal with, repent of and confess, but... I bet you there's some weights in each and every one of our lives that they're not sin, they're not sinful things, but they're, but they're things that shouldn't be there that are weighting us down, keeping us from running as fast as we should. How many of you know, I know like on the baseball, help me, on that bat, what did they put on that bat? There was a thing, what do you call that? A donut. Was it from Krispy Kreme? I, I used to do that as a kid. Put that donut. How many knows what I'm talking about? They put that donut on that bat. It makes it what? Heavier so that you, you swing with that. And then you take that donut off. And when you get up there to swing, you know, it's, it, you get what I'm saying? You're, and the same thing's true with golf. You don't have golf donuts too. You can put that on your driver and swing. And, and then it's supposed to help you. But, you know, how many of you would think that a batter would go out there with it? Would you go out with the donut on the bat in the batter's box to hit the ball? You're going to do what with that donut? Lay it aside, aren't you? Before you get in a game. It's good for practice, but you get in that game, you need to lay it aside. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying we need to lay aside every weight. 
what's weighting you down today? may not be a sin, but it's a weight. Nonetheless, you need to lay it down. And then he says, let us run with endurance. That word endurance means patience. The race that's set before us. You ought to put this down. The Spirit of God wanted me to put this in here. Uh, You know when I run, I run every other day five miles around these subdivisions and whatnot. And I say this, pace. I pace myself. You're going to need to pace yourself. You You know what I mean by that? I couldn't run five miles going at the top as fast as I can go. I could maybe go a half mile, and at the, if I'm going full out speed, I can go about a half mile, and then guess what happens? I'm, I'm done. I don't run as fast as I can go. I run at a medium pace. And guess what? Sometimes I'll pick it up, and sometimes I'll kind of slow down. Why do I do that? So I can finish my course. How many of you know, have you ever watched them? Now, now a sprint, see, listen to this. The Christian life is not like a sprint. It's a marathon. Now, those sprinters, man, they come out of those blocks and they go as fast as they can, but they're not going very far, are they? 100 yards? But those marathons, see, if the Christian life was like a sprint, we could go as fast. But I've watched so many people, they just, Christians, they just go as fast as they can, they burn out. Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You've got to pace yourself. People here today need to hear this. You need to pace yourself. Those, those marathons, what do they do? I've watched those marathons at the Olympics. And some of them guys, they'll start out, they'll run, they go those laps, and, and they say, you better watch that guy there in the, in the middle. And I'm thinking, in the middle? He's so far back, there's 30 guys in front of him. So you better watch that guy in the middle there. You know, and they go around and around. He stays in the middle, stays in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking at the Olympics. Staying in the middle, round and round they go. And the announcers are saying, you better watch that guy, that guy from wherever, you know, from, from Bulgaria. You know, you better watch him. You know, I'm thinking, well, that guy, he's a loser. He's in the middle. And then all of a sudden they say there's they got three laps to go. And guess what that guy in the middle starts doing? He's moving up. Now he's not in the middle anymore. He's about a third of the way back. And then the second lap, two laps to go. Then guess what? He moves up a little further. And then that last lap, I'm sitting there going, Huh? You've got to be kidding me because he just bolts away. And, and by the time that last lap, he just passes everybody, just like Secretariat, that horse show, just passes everybody up. It's the same thing with the horse racing. Isn't that right? Better watch that horse in the middle of the pack. I'm thinking, what? Well, he's way back. But they come down that last lap. What do they do? See, they're pacing, say, say they're pacing themselves. You need to pace yourself in this Christian walk. You okay? And then look at verse 2. Looking unto who? Jesus. The NIV says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The Amplified Bible says, look away from all that distracts you. If you want to finish this race for the Lord, you better fix your eyes on Him and keep your eyes on Him and refuse to take your eyes off Him because there's a million and one things to pull your eyes away from the Lord. Did you know that? 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. This is right before Paul died, right before they beheaded him. But they beheaded him. You say, wait a minute, that don't sound like a successful race. Wait a minute, he was an old man. And they tried to kill him for years and they couldn't kill him. He was ready to die at this time. He was ready. They, They couldn't kill him. They tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. You know, we need to die on our terms and God's terms, not the devil's terms. Is that right? And he was ready to go. He said earlier in his life, he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. But for your sakes, I'm going to stay around here a while. Remember him right now? But now he's ready to go. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. 
And the time of my departure is at hand, and the Lord will tell you. He'll, you be keen in, in the Spirit, and God will he'll prepare you when your time comes. You, you, if you're walking with Him, you'll know when the time of your departure is at hand. Did you hear what I just said? We have no business dying under the age of 90 or even under the age of 100 anyway if we walk with the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? You can see the book of Genesis. He gives us 120 years. He said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Time of my departure is at hand. I have what? I have what? Come on, people, help me. I have what? I've fought. You're going to have to be a fighter if you're going to finish this Christian race. I don't mean fight with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, and so forth. Demonic power. We have to, be, we have to stand in the Word and fight against those things. I have what? Finished? The race. He finished, didn't he? Finished well. I have what? Kept the faith. You okay? Now, Paul got knocked down a lot. But, you know, he kept getting back up. He had a snake bite him one time, a poisonous snake, and what did he do? Shook it off. If we're going to finish this Christian race, we're going to have to shake some things off. We're going to have to shake some offense off. We're going to have to get over some things. We're going to have to refuse to quit. You okay? I always watch those Olympics. I'm always proud of those, of those Olympics, of those athletes. They fall. How many of you have ever seen them take a bad fall? And you think, oh. But what do they do? Most all of them. What do they do? They'll get back up, and if they have to hobble, they'll get back up if they can, but they'll finish. Say finish. They'll get back up and finish. We need to be the same way. If the devil knocks us down, we shake it off, we get back up, and we move on. And then look at verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. See, he got a crown, didn't he? He didn't just get into heaven. Anybody can go to heaven. You receive Jesus. You go to heaven. That's a great gift. That's a great gift in and of itself. But he didn't just get to go to heaven. He got the crown of righteousness, didn't he? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Five crowns. Let me just tell you what they are. There's a crown of righteousness. And if you study into it, it's for those who are watchful and look for his appearing. There's a crown of life for those who endure persecution, hardness, and even death. There's a victor's crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. There's a crown of rejoicing. That's a soul winner's crown. I think that's the most precious one. And then there's a crown of glory. That crown is reserved for faithful ministers. So in closing, the Christian race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're not competing against each other. Say amen. amen. We're not competing against the church across town. Really, all the churches... Have you ever seen a relay? How many have ever seen a relay? See, we're, we're in a relay. We're, we're working together. We ought to be on the same team for Jesus. We're running for Him. And the devil and our flesh are trying to hinder us. But Jesus defeated the devil and we have the Holy Spirit to help us overcome our flesh. So let's do what Paul did. What do you say? Let's finish our race with joy. Stand with me if you would. Just bow your heads right there where you're at. You're good people. You're good people. Good people. I just wanted to encourage you as it seemed good to talk about this in light of the Winter Olympics going on. And we had our own winter spell this morning, so here in the icy area. <laughs> so I think the message was apropos. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to get into Christian race. You see, if you don't change the direction, the direction you're going, if you don't receive Jesus, you're headed to hell. God don't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. So how do you miss hell and make heaven? Repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Just that quick, you get saved. Become a child of God. 
Miss hell, make heaven, right there, in an instant of time. Then once you get in that Christian race, you're going to heaven, but now you've got a race to run. You've got a job to do, a race to run. And so I've given you some practical things right from the Word of God that you can do to run a successful race and get to the end of it and hear the Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Have Him reward you. Give you rewards that will be eternal. So if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, when I dismiss the service, you come up here to the front. There will be some people standing up here. Get with one of them. They'll pray with you. And they'll lead you to the Lord. They'll get you in the race. And for the rest of you that are already in the race, you've already made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to encourage you to examine yourself in the light of these things we've shared with you today. If there's some weights in your life, lay those things aside. If there's sins in your life, lay them aside. Confess them. Refuse to be offended. Pray in the Spirit. Align your tongue up with the Word of God. Keep your body under control. Refuse to quit. 